the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we reflect on today's gospel passage, it is probably one of the most, uh, one of the most well-crafted stories in the gospel. It's one of the most well-crafted stories that Jesus gives to us, and I think it really sums up the entire Bible. Every time it is that I read it, I get goosebumps. I don't know how to react to it, because there's always something new to learn from it. There's not just one message. When it is that we take this gospel story of the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son or the son that has sinned so greatly against the father but has now returned, it literally sums up the entire Christian life and it tells us about our relationship with God and what it is that it entails, what it is that we are expected to have from God, what our relationship with God needs to be like. really gives us a clear indication of how it is that God loves us and how it is that God responds to us. My brothers and sisters, this story has changed so many lives. It's converted so many people. And I really see it in my work as a priest in my own ministry. I've seen how this story has changed people's conceptions of God, what they think God is like, and now what they know God is like. So often, I think, we get stuck in this idea that God is this you know, this, this judge in the sky who's waiting for us to make the wrong move, who's waiting for us to mess up, and then he punishes us, right? And we hear about this as we grow up, especially in a world where we're so legalistic, where we're so kind of, you know, if you do this, God will come after you, God will punish you. Even the people back then, 2,000 years ago, in the time of Jesus, used to think in the same way. When Jesus comes across a man who is blind from birth, they ask Jesus, who has sinned you, him or his parents? Where has this sin come from? Jesus says it's not how you should think of it. It has not come from his parents or for him, from him. But it represents something else. My brothers and sisters, when we dig into this passage, when it is that we read and pray with this passage, which is the longest parable that Jesus gives us, we begin to uncover what God is really like and how it is that we should be towards him. But first, we need to really, again, dig into what it is this passage is telling us. story begins... There was, a man, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. Give me the share of the property that will belong to me. Give me what is owed to me now. Give me what I need right now to live my life the way I want to live my life. My brothers and sisters, when we look at this in the spiritual life, right? Everything good in our life comes from God. All this love, all this divine love, everything that we have, everything in our life that is possibly good to be thankful for comes directly from God. And the way in which this grows in our own hearts is by giving it away. Divine love. Divine, the more in which we receive love from Jesus, the more in which we receive love from God the Father, the more in which when we give it away, strangely enough, the more it increases in our own hearts. This is an important principle to know for later on. This is what it means to be a Christian. That we're not just doing good to those who do good to us, but rather when Jesus gives us this divine love that we don't understand what to do with, that we are not worthy of, the more in which when we go out there, those who have hurt us, it's not so much of a big deal. Those who have done wrong to us, those who we think are not worthy of our love, suddenly are because... This divine love has to grow within us. Jesus continues to give us this divine love, and he says, do with it what you will, but don't keep it to yourself. The son makes this, this problem. 
The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. We talked last week about pride. This is pride in its finest. Here is this divine love that is given to you, that is given to you each and every time you are here at Mass, that you are praying, that you receive with an open heart. Here is this love that is given to you. And if we keep it to ourselves, when we don't allow ourselves to become vulnerable, when we don't allow ourselves to give it away, we continue to hoard it, we continue to keep it to ourselves, and we don't allow this love of God to flourish, but we hide it away. When we hide it away, we're doing something terribly wrong. When we as Christians are not allowing this divine love to be given away, we're doing something terribly wrong. When we don't love others how they're meant to be loved, in the same way that God loves us, we need to reevaluate what the spiritual life is. And so, the more we receive this divine love, the more we give it away, the more strangely it grows. That's the Bible. This is the Bible. This is why God comes down. This is the whole message of Christianity. This is why we are followers of Jesus. The more in which we receive love from Jesus, the more in which we witness Jesus, the more we can't keep it to ourselves, but the more in which we go out there and we begin to spread His love. And so the son takes the money. He takes his inheritance. He takes what's owed to him, right? Father, give me the share of my property. It's all about him. It's all about pride. It's all about let me do what it is that I want to do. And so he goes. Goes off. The father respects him. He doesn't want to divide the property, but he does it anyway because he respects your free will. Remember, love must be done in free will. Nobody can force you to love. Nobody can force you to love God. You must love him out of your own free will. You must love him out of your choice. We always have a choice in life to love God or to go against God. So he goes. He goes off and he goes to a far distant land and he begins to spend all his money. He doesn't really leave much to it, right? And by the end of it, he realizes that he spent all of it. He goes off to a far distant land. There's complete emptiness. There's a famine. Nobody has enough to eat. And he doesn't quite know what to do. And so he's hired out by someone to feed the pigs. Which, by the way, for the, for the Jews thinking of that moment, remember Jesus is speaking to the Jews. The pigs are not clean animals. To be with the pigs means you've hit the bottom of bottoms. But not even that, even further he hits rock bottom in that when he sees what it is that the pigs are eating... He would rather have that because no one's giving many to eat. He says, how good does that look when you're looking and feeding pigs? Pigs who, by the way, will eat their own feces. And he says, that looks pretty good. That's how you know you've hit rock bottom. That's how you know you've fallen so deep into sin in a distant land that you feel like there is no coming back. For many of us, fellow sinners, right? This is what happens when we fall into sin, when we fall away from God, when we fall away in the emptiness of the pride of our own hearts. Don't let pride get to you. Don't ever say that you are not able to forgive. Don't ever say that you are not able to humbly accept what it is that Jesus has given you. Pride will lead to that emptiness that Jesus is speaking of here. My brothers and sisters, even further, here is this man who says, how much of even my father's slaves had enough to eat? And he goes back. And he says, here's what I'm, I'm planning to say this. You know, my father's not going to forgive me. My father should have punished me when I said this. My father probably feels so, so humiliated, so just kind of humiliated in front of his own family. 
and he's never going to forgive me. Here's what I'm going to say. I have offended you. I have offended the heavens. I have offended all these things. Just please accept me back as at least one of your slaves. I'll gladly go back just for some bread to eat. I won't be called your son, but just a slave. And the most beautiful thing about this passage is that from the moment he goes back, from the moment his father sees him from a faraway place, he runs to him. There's an old Jewish saying, and many of the Jews would have picked up on this, that when the old man runs to his son, this is something that doesn't happen, ever. There's an old saying in Judaism where the old man's robes are never to flow. What does that mean? Never to flow, it means the old man is the one who is respected as the elder, and they're the ones who are seated, and all the young ones will come to him. Not the opposite way around. But here it is, Jesus says that God's love for you is so reckless, it doesn't quite make sense, that the old man runs to the son. There's also another thing that Jews would have kept in mind, in that when this man, when this son, had offended his father, the moment he would have came back, it would have been open season for any servant to kill that son. But he goes out, he embraces him, he hugs him, he kisses him. He gives him back his clothes, his sandals. Most importantly, a ring to show that it's healed. That Jesus Christ has given you everything that you need now. And he throws this lavish party, right? He invites his friends. There's music, there's dancing. This love is not calculated. This love is not something that's a give and take. This love is not something that's, you did good to me, I do good to you, right? That's not how it works. But so often, that's how we see love. My brothers and sisters, if there's anything I want you to learn as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it's this one simple fact. Love is not a give and take relationship. It's not because I do good to you, you're going to do good to me. And we see this in the second son. How often the second son says, do I do what it is that you want me to do? Father, I've been with you from the beginning and I've done everything you said and you haven't even given me a young goat for me to celebrate with my friends. Even though this man claims to be close to the Father, he's not real. Not at all. He doesn't get it. He's still empty inside. He still thinks love is a give and take relationship. But no. Love is realizing that we are sinners. And that when we embrace God, when we understand that we are sinners, and God embraces us back, God loves us for who we are, that when we go to confession and say, Jesus Christ, here is what I have done. Here is why I realize I am empty. Here is why I realize that I need you so bad. It's at that moment that God embraces us and we realize that love does not calculate. Love does not measure. Love just gives. Is there someone in your life who you need to just give love to? Or do you calculate? Do you measure? This person has done this to me and I need to give him this amount of love back in return. Do we do the same towards God? God has only given me so much, and because He's only given me so much, do I only give Him this much love in return? We need to realize that love is not calculated. It gives and does not count the cost. My brothers and sisters, as we pray during this Mass, do we calculate the cost of love that we give in our prayer life, towards others, and in our own life, in our own, towards ourselves? What is it that we're doing? What are we doing wrong? Why are we calculating love when love just simply gives? 
Do we need to encounter Jesus more? Do we need to meet the person of Jesus more in our own lives? It's that when we, we love, we don't count, but we simply give. Give as our Heavenly Father has given us and continue to give as He gives us each and every day in our daily life. Amen?